You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema essay. We, we are, oh man, that was bad. That, I almost pulled a muscle doing that impersonation. Hey man. Going to be a lot of bad in uh, Cheech Marin impersonations here tonight. <laughs> I just got a feeling. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that later. Uh, so welcome back to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. It's Will and Sammy. We're here. We're going to talk Up in Smoke from 1978. You know, I could have swore this was 1980. Uh, directed by Lou Adler. Uh, a little bit of credit from Tommy Chong. Um, we'll talk about that. I kind of just wanted to do something kind of different for us. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a midnight movie. There's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah. we don't do a whole lot of comedies, especially uh, broad comedies like this one. And uh, it's kind of fun to just do that kind of stuff. And I just, I bought an HD copy. I just kind of wanted to watch, rewatch it. And, you know, I kind of look at us sometimes, uh, sans the uh, drug abuse as the Cheech and Chong of podcasting a little bit, you know, outside of the, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, you know, we're part of, you know, we're partly Canadian, partly American. That's Cheech and Chong. We're partly Canadian, partly American. So our license plate (laughs) at Horror Hound always says Muff Diver. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> your license plate, yeah, man, it's on the back of the car back there, man. No, your license, driver's license. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My favorite joke in the movie, still this day, is, sir, what's your name? Uh, isn't it on? Isn't it on there, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Uh, we hope everybody is doing well. As you listen to this, uh, Will will be uh, across the pond, as they say. Absolutely. Uh, on the other side, uh, meeting up with some fine folks, taking his family on a little European jaunt, and uh, going over and, and hopefully meeting some uh, uh, English gents, to say the least, right? So, Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, I think as of the time this releases, I will be in Lake Como, Italy. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, that'll be cool. And 
Should be good, man. Should be good. I wanted to cut a little, uh, little like an opening of like a Euro crime film where I'm driving around the streets in my rental and have some, uh, you know, some tunes playing over it. But I think the streets of Naples have changed. <laughs> maybe some probably say so. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe when you get there, everything will revert back. That's it. Yeah. That's, and then yeah, meeting up with some. Some gents in London uh, at a very cool restaurant uh, called the German Gymnasium. Nice. Sounds very GGTMC right there. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. A lot of stuffed shorts, uh, a lot of Wiener Schnitzel uh, going on in that uh, German Gymnasium. <laughs> you know who I wish we'd run into? There's Danny Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to photos as always, and uh, I hope you have a great time. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens. So there'll be a few episodes of me, and uh, who knows who else? Probably uh, a cast of the regulars. I might reach into the bag, see if I can get some maybe new folks on, or maybe some old classic folks, some folks from that we haven't heard from in a long time. Maybe I'll reach back out to some of those folks, folks that aren't even podcasting anymore. How about that? Uh, I got a couple of ideas, but we'll see. It'll probably just It'll probably just come down to what's on streaming and who's who's the next available <laughs> who's the next available monkey I can throw into this experiment. So that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, we uh, got a little bit of feedback. Uh, let me pull that up here. Uh, I'd, I'd give you well, I'm gonna give you one guess as to who the fee, who the feedback is from. Doctor Zom. <laughs> that used to be the way it was. Yes, yes. <laughs> I haven't heard from Zom in a while. We hear from him often. Uh, for the record, we hear from him often behind the scenes. <laughs> but yeah, the good Doctor Zom from the great state gentlemen, of West Virginia. Help. Yeah. Oops. I almost should play on Walt. I think we heard him say "gentlemen" there. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. Walt is uh, calling in. Here we go. Gentlemen, how nice to speak to you again. Looking forward to listening to your review of the Tom Skerritt movie this week. Uh, your obituary. Tom Skerritt. This week. Is of course the one, the only, the legend of all legends, Terry Funk. Uh, of course, Terry Funk yeah. has the movie connections with Roadhouse and uh, Over the Top. For me, absolutely top, top pro wrestler all time, uh, right up there with Ric Flair. You know, Terry Funk could be the uh, sympathetic baby face in Japan, or he could do the crazy heel thing in Memphis. And uh, recommend anybody who hasn't. Watch some of his matches. Unlike Ric Flair, who uh, his matches could kind of be samey if you've seen enough of them. Terry Funk's matches, never the same thing twice, really. Uh, just absolute legend. Uh, you're this or that. Jean-Luc Godard or David Lynch? Thanks, guys. All right, so there you go. Uh, let's get the Terry Funk talk out of the way first. The Funker, he's gone, man. He is no longer with us. No more funk man. What do you, uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, he lived to be 79, which is unbelievable when you consider Terry Funk's career. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this as a Canadian <laughs> who loved wrestling, but didn't, um, I, as I've gotten older, you know, you only have so much time for so many hobbies. So, um, I didn't get a chance to, you know, deep dive as much as, as people who are wrestling as one of their main habits or, or habits, hobbies. So Funk was always a guy to read about, 
was it PWI magazine or some of the wrestling magazines and, you know, I'd see him here and there, but so I didn't get to really see him in all his glory to be completely honest. Always loved him in films, always heard great things about him. Uh, just an absolute legend, right? So it's, uh, had a, had a, had a lot of good, good tussles with, uh, what is it? That egg sucking dusty roads. Yeah, egg sucking dog. That's that right. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. Sleep well. The Funker man. That's 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 an icon right there. Yeah, a lot of uh, some movie credits there, but probably most near and dear to our hearts for being in Roadhouse, like Walt mentioned there. So you know that that's <laughs> that's just the way it is. If you want to hear some really good Terry Funk impersonations, you can go back and listen to Silver and Gold. You'll hear some really good ones. Also, what I'll was? Say, uh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say. I'll say this. I think Funk missed a bit of a calling by not doing some of those kind of tough guy '80s, you know, '80s or '90s films. I mean, he's still wrestling on the road and stuff. But if he could have parlayed that a little bit, you know, he had a look. He could have. Uh, there were less talented guys than him carving out a living. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, talk about a guy that just uh, put everything into the business that he loved. You know, that's that's what that's what I think of when I think of him. Sadly, since Walt's um, voicemail, I think, uh, you know, younger, younger wrestler, Bray Wyatt, he passed away from a heart attack related to COVID. It's and, crazy. And uh, he was only 36. And, uh, you know, he he was more of an up and comer. I don't know if he would have had the career that Terry Funk did, but he certainly had something that made him unique. Um I wrote a little uh, blip about him on uh, Facebook, which I don't normally do, but he he meant uh, a lot to my son and I. We had a lot of fun watching him over the years, and it's a shame that uh, you know these things happen. They just they just do, man. That uh, mortality is a hell of a thing, and it just it just it catches up with us all sooner or later. Um, his this or that, John Luke Godard, or uh, what was the other name? It was David Lynch. David Lynch. That's right. Sorry, Walt. Uh, I think I know where you stand on this. Uh, and I think we both stand together, uh, on this one. I'd be surprised if we don't, but I'm going to go David Lynch on this. I just find his horrific leanings more interesting. Like even when he's not trying to be scary, there's something very (laughs) off-putting about David Lynch films. (laughs) Yeah. He just, he makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and makes me feel kind of gross sometimes, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, you know, if we were looking at this sort of like a Survivor Series to take it back to wrestling, I, I would feel pretty confident with Lynch's, what was it, five-man team in a Survivor Series match? Uh, I think so, four or five, yeah, something like that. Five, so I would feel pretty comfortable with Lynch's... Uh, team not to say as prolific as Giddard was that he wouldn't have had a heck of a team but yeah I'm Lynch on this one man I really am uh, that's an interesting one um but I gotta go Lynchy all day on this one yeah we've often talked about over the years on the show that Goddard is definitely an acquired taste he's not for everybody uh there's no doubt about it and uh honestly I think that's what he goes for um that's that's who he is and that's what he is um, oh yeah so there is something to be appreciated about him, no doubt. But he is uh, quite confrontational with audiences and uh, other filmmakers and whatnot. Not in a bad way. He just uh, he challenges the medium, and uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it fails miserably. So, 
Yeah, I'll give him credit for that. He's gone now, right? Was he gone? He passed away, right? Bedard, yes. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah, David Lynch is still kicking. Don't know if he's going to make any more films, but he's still kicking. Um, that's it. That's all the feedback we got. I know there wasn't a lot, but we thank Walt as always. Um, thank you, Walt. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. So I've been jamming, man. Yeah, I saw that. I've been really pumping them in. Um, just because, um, I had lots of time, lots of time on my hands. I was doing laundry, just really crushing it. So I've been watching a bunch of stuff. Uh, it started off, it was my pick. I wanted to watch the Spanish kind of backwoods thriller horror film, Piggy. Oh yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Piggy, I got to say, I had kind of high hopes. I thought it was going to be really good. My impression of it before seeing it was that it was going to be like a like a Catherine Bria Brie. I never know how to say that. I got to look, you know, watch someone interview that's, or introduce her. That's close enough. That's yeah. close enough. Thank you. <clears throat> so my interpretation would have always been that uh, that was kind of what we were getting. Something uncompromising, uh, something Gallic, of course, you know, being a Spanish film, but uh, something that, you know, would would work in that sense. Um, Very uncompromising, punishing. And it being a female filmmaker, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be an interesting approach. I think the film does some interesting things. It makes the viewer uncomfortable with, uh, with our female lead, some of the gaze, some of the shame she feels. I think some of that stuff's pretty effective early on. But I got to say, I was pretty let down with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad film, mm-hmm. but you know, if I was going to score it on our scale, I'd probably fall around six, six and a quarter. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, yeah, I can see it. I'm, I'm maybe a little bit higher, but not much. To me, like a ninety-six or ninety-eight minute film should not sag or drag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I watched, um, I watched Oppenheimer. That was three hours plus. I never felt bored. Right. And these are very different films, mind you. But the, the point is they're both films. Mm-hmm. And they're they're there to engage you, whether it's to pontificate or to entertain or or whatever it is. They're they're there to engage you in some manner. And this one just lost me in spots. I thought some of the motivations seemed cheap. I have to be honest, I was quite surprised it was a, it was a, a, a female filmmaker because I felt like some of the shortcuts and, and lazy stuff felt to me like very much like a male filmmaker. Mm, yeah. So, I don't know. But not bad, but yeah, just, I guess, it's got a right. it's got an interesting twist in it that I don't think is completely successful. It's very odd. Yeah. Uh and I don't think I don't know if that works for everybody or will work for everybody, but um yeah, I mean it's interesting. I'll give it that. It was an interesting watch. Cuz to me, I I thought we were going to get the the Bria film uh Fat Girl. Mhm. Mhm. With a bit of a you know Spanish twist as a as sort of a, a slasher, right, right. Didn't get it. That's okay. I've seen yeah. worse. See worse again. It's definitely uh, there is some some very mean shit in the movie that made me feel uncomfortable. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. I watched it with my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was an interesting watch in that sense. It was a very. I liked it those early moments before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes. I liked that it was uncomfortable for all of us because I think it brings up a lot of stuff about, um, you know, how people are portrayed in film, how people perceive themselves, um, how others perceive them. 
there was a lot of stuff that I thought was interesting, but it kind of gets abandoned for kind of standard visceral thrills uh, at the back half. So right, right. that's how it goes. Uh, shifted gears, took a trip <clears throat> as I choked. Uh, went back to Criterion is doing like a high school horror thing for September. So I was very excited to revisit some films that I was a fan of, see some that I'd never gotten around to. So one that I'm a big fan of, I wanted to drop it on some friends uh, and my kids was The Faculty. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Josh Hartnett's hair. With Josh Hartnett's hair, man. Um, I'll tell you what. I've seen this thing two or three times since it came out twice within the past five years. My kids had seen it before. My friend's kids had not. Other than the ropey CG in this, I really think this age is like fine wine. I, for some reason, hadn't realized that Kevin Williamson had been involved in the the writing of this film. And watching it this time, I, I had made note of that. I thought, wow, this feels like a, a Craven Williamson film. Um, there's some really nice nods to the thing, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, obviously. Um, just, it's a nice loving homage. And I think that the young cast is uniformly pretty solid. Um, I'm not usually a fan of Jordana Brewster. I think she's, she's good in her role. She's lively. Uh, I did a Cleo Duvall kind of mini marathon between, uh, but I'm a cheerleader in this. Always liked her. And of course we get, uh. Uh, Frodo, man. Yeah. So yeah, Frodo's in there. That's right. <laughs> Frodo, it's a good one. It's a good one. So, yeah, I, yeah I, you fun. know, I need to go back and look at that one because I liked it up to a point, and it might have been the CG. I don't know. It might have been that, but I don't like to judge a film on CG because you know dodgy effects really don't affect a film for me. No, um, and you can't. There, there must have been mean, something else that must have got to me. I'll have to go back and look at it though. Listen, the teachers. What a fun cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it, that's well chance. cast, right? And that Robert, is directed by Robert Rodriguez, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Which I sometimes forget. Yeah. I'd be very curious. I, I think it would age. I think it's aged well, man. I really do. I think it's aged very well. Robert Rodriguez, so, he's going to have, you know, maybe for better or worse, but he's going to have an interesting filmography before it's all done, said and done. He's definitely going to, he's definitely going to be one of them guys that tries everything and <laughs> goes down swinging. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, I don't like everything he does, but I I would say his resume at this point, he's probably got six to eight films that I like to really like. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm that's about to say good yeah. run. Yeah, yeah. That's that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's good enough for sure. Uh, next up was one I'd never seen before. Same thing. This high school horror uh, program on Criterion. I decided to watch The Craft. Man, keep it in the '90s. Oh, yeah. So I'd never seen this. And at the time I was 16, it came out. I just, it didn't appeal to me. It just wasn't my thing. Mm, but mm -hmm. I can see this. Um, watching it this time, uh, I enjoyed it. I love that it does not take place in Salem, Massachusetts. It actually takes place in Los Angeles. Nice. Uh, if we were going to do this film on the GGTMC, I would say that Feruza Balk hands down is the MVT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was really at the height of her power right around this. Oh, no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. She was really the, this was, you know, if you were a Feruza Balk person, this is right around the height of it. She is such a joy in this film. Mm -hmm. She is so unhinged. She's lovely in the film. Uh, 
I don't know. I've never been a Nev Campbell guy. She's just dull as dishwater for me. I just I can't. I just she doesn't do it for me. Robin Tunney's fine. Uh, Rachel True, who we didn't hear much from, you know, she's in it. But yeah, you get Skeet Ulrich, so a bit of a mini scream reunion. The film looks really good mm. uh, production wise. It's got a really really fun kind of bonkers back. Like the, the finale is pretty nuts. It goes pretty wild. So I quite like the finale, and I love balking it so yeah, that was a fun one uh next up i wanted to shift gears completely and went to france and went into their 70s car uh the the criterion 70s car jams and i decided to watch traffic jacques tati's traffic oh yeah 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 so if you've seen a tati film you know what you're getting into uh, i've seen three or four Always been a fan. Not always been a fan. I wasn't a fan early on. He, I've warmed up to him over the years. Mm. To the point where I, I really love him. I really admire him as vision, as a filmmaker, as an auteur. Unique. Oh, very unique. Very unique. This is a fun one. I don't think it's his best work, but it was his last film. And uh, I think you can go out with a worse bang than this. It just, you know, the absurdity of of technology and, and cars and our and us in our space, in our cars, and how we inhabit that space with others. Um, it's a bit of a road trip movie. So it, it's it's a fun one, man. It's it's definitely a fun one. Uh, next up, wanted to watch one, this one with the kids for a while. They're big. Well, William's a big uh, Safdie Brothers guy. He, he liked Uncut Gems. Uh, and I wanted to show him Good Time Forever because we all love the Pattinson in this house. So I watched it with them. Braden dipped. He just wasn't really interested. But William and I really dug it. And I got to say, watching it a second time, I loved it just as much. I think it's a fantastic film. I I think that Pattinson is just, he's, you know, you and I have been on the Pattinson train for years. Fantastic in it. Um, and I love the Safety brothers, man. Everything they do to me, just, it, it, it hits perfectly. Mm-hmm. So you've seen this one, I think, right? That one I have. We reviewed it on the show, yeah. Did we review it? Do you and Todd did? Uh, maybe me and Todd did, but I felt like you was there too. I think you picked it. No. Did I? I think so. Right, so that's it's interesting. I rewatched a film this past week, and I was like, oh, yeah, we covered this. And then I realized you and Todd covered it on the show, not me. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I, I loved Good Time. To me, it's like an 8.25, 8.5. Mm. Really strong film, man. Really strong film. Um, next up, just two more quick ones. This one would be fun to talk about on the show. So I don't know where I came across this, but I had never heard of it. And I was like, okay, well, I was up late. It was like midnight. I wanted to watch something nuts. We're getting, we're inching closer to Halloween season. I decided to do Uli Lamel's The Boogeyman. Oh, so. yeah, The Old Boogeyman. Yeah, 1980. Have you seen this? Uh, I have before, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably, I guess, Uli Lamel's biggest film, I think. Other than, what is it, the the one we did, The Company of Wolves? Or no, 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 the... Oh, the uh, the Tenderness the of Wolves or something like that? We did that one. That was a tremendous film. But. Yeah, I think that's a better film. I don't know if it was... I think this was his biggest box office film, though. So this is nuts. This film's nuts. It is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> to pitch it to people, this is if Amityville and Halloween had a low-budget crazy baby. Yeah. It's like they make sort of – if if 
a mirror was Michael Myers, it would be this film. So this is a fun one. Yeah. This, this goes for it in spots. It's got some wild kills. Saw it in HD. looks great. You know, Lamel's, uh, Lamel's all right in my books. What a crazy, what a crazy career that guy's had from acting to working with Fassbender to directing to making serial killer films. Man, just get trash in these. Yeah. You know, the 2000s, he made like a ton, like DC Sniper, Killer Nurse, all these, you know, uh, headline, uh, basically BTK Killer. He directed that. So crazy. Yeah. And I mean, he just, uh, you know, he worked. I guess he just got work where he could. But a boogeyman, I remember being maybe his most well received one. I guess uh, he did a few other things. Cocaine Cowboys. Did I see Cocaine Cowboys? Not the documentary. No, not the documentary. This is the Jack Palance film and stuff. I feel like maybe, maybe this is the one that Tarantino and them talked about. But anyway, um, oh, oh yeah, maybe it was the one they talked about. I can't remember. Anyway, just a weird career. A lot of acting. A lot of just you know, again, worked with Fassbender. Just just a strange career. <laughs> Very strange career. Yeah. But this had no no familiar faces. It's a really fun kind of regional nuts horror. I uh, I quite dug it. Yeah, I, think it's I mean, when I when I think of him, that's usually the for me that's usually the first film that comes to mind. I don't I know if he. I don't. I don't feel like he directed Tenderness Wolves. I feel like maybe he wrote it or something. Maybe he did write. It. Maybe he wrote it under. A di- maybe it's under a different name here on IMDb. Oh no, there it is. There it is. Nineteen seventy three. You're right. That is his highest rated film critically. That in a second spring. Yeah, no, he's he's an interesting filmmaker for sure, and that's an interesting film. Odd duck, uh, yeah, he's an odd duck. He is an odd duck. <laughs> Last one I watched was again one I just had never seen. I wanted something different, kind of just like you know what, this is just outside of my comfort zone with comfort food. Let me throw it on. And I had just seen one of Suzanne Seidelman's films a couple weeks ago. Wanted to keep the Seidelman train going, so I did Smithereens. Oh yeah, that's a very influential one there. Yeah, this is a good one, man. I, yeah. I got to say, uh, I'd seen this box forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just escaped me. And I watched it and uh, strong film, it, you know, st- very stark visually. So look at the, you know, the the punk rock scene, late 70s, early 80s, this woman kind of drifting around. It's weird. It almost feels like a really grungy really grungy kind of scuzzy version of um not even scuzzy, just grungy kind of real honest what's that film it's called runaway oh goodness what's that film anyway it uh, it's a fantastic film it feels very authentic very real um i'm glad i finally saw it it's it's uh, it's a good one Sodom's a good filmmaker you know it's a shame that her name isn't um more well known, right? Because I think she's she's quite a good filmmaker, and and um, I don't know how much of that is. <sighs> yeah, you know, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I I don't know if she just kind of disappeared or hung it up or what. She did a lot of television. Yeah, she. I don't know if it was just you know she didn't have opportunities. But this reminds me, the film I was trying to think of was Agnes Varda's Vagabond. Oh, okay. Which yeah, yeah. is probably not as kind of heartbreaking, but in a way it is. I mean, it's it's a pretty honest look at things without kind of being misery porn or like junkie porn. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it looks like Saddleman probably reached her peak with She-Devil, I guess, the Meryl Streep, Roseanne Barr film. Absolutely. And uh, then pretty much went into television after that. But, I mean, she did some stuff. She did Cookie. I think it's a Peter Falk movie and uh, Making Mr. Right, which is kind of an Android love movie and Desperate Seeking Susan Smithereens. So she she had a run there where she was very interesting. But I guess, you know, just one too many pulls on the tab and not enough... uh, not enough hits. That's what happens sometimes. Looks like she directed a couple films later on. Musical Chairs and The Hot Flashes. So, see, she did, wasn't afforded the same courtesy that a lot of her male counterparts were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. She worked on a few things. and She wasn't able to keep going. She's a very pretty lady, for the record. I've always thought she is. But Yeah, that's about it. I'll have to... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to dig into some other stuff. But no, it's... Uh... Yeah, settlement's good, man. Yeah. Very good. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, is that everything? That's it, man. All right. I only watched a few things, but a couple of good ones in here. Uh, checked out uh, Kubrick by Kubrick. So this is one of the uh, one of these uh, documentaries that takes one of the few audio interviews that Stanley Kubrick ever did. And uh, it's kind of fascinating to listen to him kind of talk. There's not a lot of new information here. If you've heard Stanley Kubrick audio interviews for, cause there's not very many of them. Uh, this is one of his more deeper ones, but you really kind of get an insight into the way his brain works and the way he saw things. Again, he was always often kind of seen as a, a cold filmmaker, but maybe more so what he really was, was inquisitive and curious and always kind of trying to figure out things. And, uh, that really comes across in this documentary it's a short documentary well worth a watch i can't remember what i watched it on i think i watched it on tubi i want to believe and uh it's really good it's really good it's just fun to hear him talk you know he never lost his bronx accent uh even living in england and everything else he always still sounded like he was from the bronx and uh he's just a you know he's a fascinating guy the way his brain works when he talks you can totally see (laughs) why his films feel the way they feel because it's almost like he's asking you while he's asking himself and, and he's just, you know, how you would get fascinated with one subject and just research it until, you know, somebody had to say, Hey, Stanley, you gonna make a movie or not? But you know, <laughs> you gotta let the research go, buddy. You know, what's wild. I saw you watch this mm-hmm. and I tried to push it on my wife and she would just wasn't having it. Like I got like <laughs> 10 minutes and I'm like, Oh, this is, so-. she was doing something in the kitchen. I'm like, I'm going to sneak this one in. No one's watching. No one's here. I'm going to watch it right now. I'm going to love it. <laughs> and then she finishes what she's doing in the kitchen. She sits down. I'm like, can we watch this? And she see, it was just Stanley Kubrick's like head talking. Yeah. 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 Like, find something we'll both want to watch. Yeah. 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 Well, you got me there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, again, definitely, you know, a, a film director that film lovers, uh, not to say that your wife probably doesn't like some Kubrick films. She might, but, uh, you know, he, he is unique to what we love and, uh, you know, he was able to pull it off for a long time. And, uh, but there are some of the, you know, some of the stories that are in here are the, you know, the great Stanley Kubrick stories, you know, there are other people interviewed and you're like, you know, take one and take two were perfect with Stanley. Why are we doing take 113? You know, and he's just, you know, he was just such a, you know, he clearly had some mental uh, adjustments that needed to be made. Um, but, you know, that that's what made him Kubrick, right? So Stanley going to Stanley. Stanley's going to Stanley. 
Uh, switch gears completely to a film that I think Kubrick would have liked. And honestly, uh, this film for me came out this year. It shows last year, but I got to say, this is one of the better film. This is one of the best films I've seen from this year. And that's uh, how to blow up a pipeline. Oh, now this film, I am stunned, completely stunned. This thing got a release. I mean, this is a film that is easily about domestic terrorism. And I'm not saying that that can't be made. I'm just stunned that it got released. That somebody in this day and age, that somebody didn't say, Hey, we're not putting that out there. Are you crazy? And, uh, I mean, it's, it's doing everything, but, but (laughs) making you plant the bomb. It's showing you how it's done and everything. It's, it's insane. And man, this movie's tense. There's moments where this movie is really tense. It's not perfect, but it's, it's really, really well done. And, uh, bravo to the filmmakers and the cast of mostly unknowns, uh, for pulling this one off. And it has a twist, so I won't give it away, but it's got a twist. So it's not exactly what you think. So pretty impressive. And it's one of the ones I would recommend everybody check out. If you love movies, you need to check out how to blow up a type pipeline. Very tense movie. Good time. Uh, not, not a good subject matter for a good time, but a good time. As far as the movie goes, please don't blow up any pipelines. (laughs) Um, then watched, uh, arrow sent me a commercial copy of the prodigal son for review. Uh, we're not going to review it on the show because we've already reviewed that film. And then I, that's when I found out that you and Todd reviewed it. Oh, yeah. And that made sense because I was like, I would have remembered talking about this more. Such a good one. Yeah, because this is, you know, Troy's been giving me grief about Warriors 2 and us giving it like 8s and 8.5s and, you know, what we gave it and stuff. Because he's like, that's a 10. Well, if, if there's a kung fu film that's close to a 10, this one is probably closer to a 10 than than most. A hundred percent. I listen, Troy. If you are listening, <laughs> Prodigal Son is definitely closer to a ten than Warriors Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Warriors Two is great, but it does yes. it does feel kind of dry in some ways. And like we kind of talked about, it feels kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost almost medicinal and overly instructional. Yep. And just a little just a little dry in that way. Formal. But Prodigal Son is totally different. Prodigal Son has a feel. It's got a, a vitality. It's got an energy. Um, yeah, man, this is like, for me, this is like top 10 Kung Fu film. It's incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible movie. If you haven't ever seen Prodigal Son, do so. I would dare to say that this is probably Samo's masterpiece. It might be. It, it might be. It might be Samo's masterpiece. So that should tell you a lot right there. I really hard to say you know sometimes i think about the other stuff eastern condors and <laughs> and all these other great films it's it's hard to say but this one man it it is really it's amazing definitely check it out and i don't know if yun biao's ever been better than this this is as good as it gets he's he's great in it for yeah. sure and lam ching yang oh man this is the film that will make you appreciate him till the day you die he he steals it, man. As much as you you say it's Yun Biao's mm-hmm. kind of jam, Lam Ching Ying, man, God, he is just unreal in this. Unreal, unreal. I mean, next level. Like, ah, just unbelievable. Like one of the great, I'd say, top five kung fu performances. Agreed. It is just tremendous. That's amazing. Yeah. 
So there you go, Troy. I hope that makes you feel better. I'm not going to give you what I rated. 8.25. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, and that's it. That's all I watched. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I watched Prodigal Son uh, three times because there was two commentary tracks. So I checked them both out. <laughs> Amazing. I did fire up. Uh, Arrow also sent me a, a 4K copy of Black Hat, the Michael Mann film. And I'd never seen the international cut, so I decided to sit down and start watching that. So I'm mostly through that, but I can't really give my opinion. I will say this. It's as Michael Mann as a Michael Mann film about computers could be. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty pretty yeah. good. No, I mean, what I've watched so far is pretty good. It's a two-hour, 12-minute cut, and I've enjoyed it. Chris Hemworth's accent could maybe I, – I think they could have just left him be Australian. I think we would have been okay. We would have been fine, right? I yeah. think it would have been fine, but – to me, that was one that I just, I really had no interest in watching. I thought it was going to be the most generic. Agreed. Oh, just so generic. And it's it's good. It's peppy. It's engaging. I, I yes, really dug it. It's tense. Yeah, it's pretty tense at moments. Yeah. And it's got some nice twist. It does. And a really great car explosion. I, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's all I'll say. <laughs> really great car. I mean, you see it coming, and yet you don't see it coming. That's right. That's really great. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Um, I think that's all we got for what we watched. Um, I don't know. It's getting, what's a quarter It's five after nine. What do you think? You think it's time for anything fun? Anything new? Well, it's always time for ice cream, but if we can't have ice cream, then we can say it's time for this or that. There we go. <laughs> now I got to hit play because I, every time we record this, I missed the play button. There we go. You know, it's because I laugh that uh, that I missed the button. I, I I got it right over the play button, but every time I start laughing at our effortless segues, and uh, that that you know, I mean, they're so smooth, smoother than H Town. <laughs> Is that preparation H Town? Yes. <laughs> You do need that to get that does help the smoothness. It does. <laughs> it can. Ooh. All right. Uh I don't know. I don't know that I well, yeah, I got a couple. I well, I got one. I got one. Do tell. Okay, I'll give it to you right off the bat. Uh Martin and Lewis or Cheech and Chong. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he dropped his wallet. Drop it's over. Wallet. It's done. I've dumbfounded him. I win. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to go Cheech and Chong. Not that I think they were necessarily more comedically brilliant, but I just think their chemistry just seems so natural. And it just works, man. It's like that comfy, shaggy sweater. So I thought about this when I thought about this uh, for this or that. There's something about Cheech and Chong that seems effortless. Oh, agreed. Where Martin and Lewis, as great as they are, it seems like the, well, Lewis is definitely trying really hard. It seems very manufactured. Yeah. Not that they're not great, because I do enjoy them. I want to make sure yeah. we're, we're clear on that. Yes. But there's something about Cheech and Chong that it feels like you're hanging out with a couple dudes. <laughs> yeah, just organic. But no you've, ca- you've, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you've kind of met these guys at some point in your life, you know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Mike Judge. I mean, Be- Beavis and Butthead is essentially Cheech and Chong. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's just the sense of familiarity with Cheech and Chong. 
that oh, yeah. I don't think you get with Martin and Lewis. Nope. No. All right. That's all I got. That's the only, that's the only one I had. Okay. I got some good ones. All right. I'm going to hit you with a this, that, or the other. The craft, ginger snaps, or Jennifer's body. Hmm. Hmm. This is interesting. I'm going to go, and it's strictly because of my love of the genre. You probably knew I was going to go this way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Ginger Snaps. Nice. Uh, I like that one. I like that one quite a bit, actually. I like the violence of it. Actually, I like the sequel, too. And... uh yeah, that's often one I've thought about covering on the show. I think, you know, I was kind of waiting for it to kind of fade away a little bit so we can kind of re kind of dig it out uh, and talk about it again. But uh, I like that one. It's not, I don't want to say it's not hammering you over the head because it is kind of hammering you over the head with its message, but I think it's handled well. Agreed. Yeah. But those other two aren't bad. I maybe don't like, you know, I'd have to revisit the craft. I think I only saw that once. Uh, Jennifer's body. I think I saw once and a half and I don't know. It's really kind of gathered a lot of steam over the last few years. It has, uh, it's kind of really become this kind of cult film. I think it, both of those I need to revisit, but as far as that goes, ginger snaps, the last one I saw. And of course I have a soft spot for the werewolves. So there we go. I'm with you. I like all three. Uh, but I do, and it's been a number of years, God, it's been maybe 20 years since I've seen Ginger Snaps. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. How old is that film? It's got to be, what, late 90s? Uh, yeah, mid-90s. Wow. Yeah, 2000, it's, actually. 2000, so it's 23 years old. So it's probably been over 20 years since I've seen it, but I quite liked it. Uh, I got a rep for it. It's it's a good one, for sure. Um. Who would win in a fight? Richard Tyson in Three O'Clock High or Adam Baldwin in My Bodyguard? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like that. As a big fan of both of those films, I like that quite a bit. Oh, man. The, the, the films where violence was the answer. <laughs> you ever think about it that? When you, <laughs> the eighties were a great time. Violence was the answer back then. <laughs> uh, your parents may have taught you that violence is never the answer, but in the eighties, that's, this is how we rolled. <laughs> that's how we roll. Um, man, I, I love Adam Baldwin and my bodyguard. And I think my bodyguard is the better movie. Uh, yeah. I love it. Cause I think it's actually emotional and very touching. It is a poignant film. Yeah. But Richard Tyson's performance in Three O'Clock High has got to be one of the great, <laughs> the great uh, body shaking, wide eyeball performances. <laughs> Just a great teen heavy performance. It, it's 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 really amazing what he does with very little. Uh, just his look and his appearance and his eyes, and he starts to shake when he gets mad. And I really love him in that movie. I love that movie for the record too. I mean, it's, it's a good one. It is. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um, Which one are you? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Richard Tyson, man. I like both. I agree with you. I think my bodyguard has more. We covered. We covered. You know, we covered my bodyguard. Yeah, we covered my bodyguard with Rube, I believe. With Rube, that's a Rube jam all the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, like. so's three o'clock high for the record. He's a big fan of that both one as well. Heavy root gems, yeah, yeah, for sure. They both are. But um I don't know. I, I just three o'clock high to me, I, I it's it feels so quintessentially eighties. Tyson is so good as the heavy. I love Baldwin. There is such a heart in that, but I, I just gotta go Richard Tyson. I think uh he's gonna freak out, man. He's gonna just he's gonna do a number on poor Baldwin. Um Cranberries or gravy on turkey? <sighs> well, I, I am not. Believe it or not, I am not a cranberry guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a I'm a gravy guy all day. Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, I like uh, I like a little gravy. I actually like to put mashed potatoes on my turkey as well with the gravy. Nice. Is yeah. there an order to which these sit on your the, plate? Like, uh, well, no. They the great the uh, the turkey goes on, and then the mashed potatoes go on top of the turkey, and then the gravy goes on top of that, and then I eat it as like a is like an entree. Well, nice. around around other things, but those are the two things I mix. Sometimes I'll throw a little corn on top of there too. Oh, you're feeling nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little corn if you're nasty. <laughs> yeah. All right. I love gravy. I love gravy with all my heart. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> it does. Yeah, your heart loves all that gravy too. My heart loves it, <laughs> but it doesn't love that I love it. Um, but I got to go cranberries. I just I love cranberries and turkey together. It's one of the all time combinations. It's uh, oh man, yeah. It's it's just out of sight for me, man. I love yeah, it. I agree. Uh, Battle of the Shelleys. Shelley Winters. Ooh, I think I messed this one up. Mm. Or Mary Shelley? <laughs> Shelley Winters or Shelley Long? <laughs> but you know what's funny? I meant to say Shelley Duvall. Shelley Winters or Shelley Duvall is the question. Okay. In my head, I thought that I'd said Shelley uh, Long, which I was not my intention. So mm. it's Duvall or Winters. So this one's a tough one, actually. Uh, yeah, this one's really tough. Uh, there's a lot of things Shelly Winters has done that I love. Um, and there's a lot of things Shelly Duvall. Now, Shelly Duvall, when I was younger, I didn't like Shelly Duvall. I thought she was gawky and awkward, and she kind of terrified me in a weird way in The Shining, even though she was the one being terrified. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, but here's what I'm going to say. And maybe it's a Hollywood faux pas for me to say this. Shelley Duvall did a couple of things with Altman, The Shining, and the Altman jam that I love her in the most, which is not the best film that Altman made. Popeye? But I love her as olive oil and Popeye. <laughs> yeah. I love her as olive oil and Popeye. She's always, like, she's always like, oh, oh. And I just, I love her performance. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I am a huge proponent of Altman's Papa. I, I love Papa. So um, I don't know why. It just, it always spoke to me, that film. I, I loved that it created a world that was all kind of its own. And uh, so, yeah, she's a big part of that. So, yeah, that and, uh, what, Three Women. And uh, was she in Nashville? I think she was in Nashville, wasn't she? Was absolutely enough. Yeah, show. and then of course uh, Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, I mean, I just she was a big part of my childhood. So, 
I'm going to go with her. Can I sidebar here before I give sure. my answer? So I'm also going to go, I think, uh, Duvall. But I want to sidebar here because you've just revealed something that Sammy has a – Shelly Duvall is olive oil fetish. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I've said this on the air. <laughs> but if I have not, I'm going to right now. Christine Baranski as Mary May Huvier. Uh, yeah, you have. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, you have. You've always <laughs> like full on who make. Yeah, I know. No, and I and I don't disagree with you either. By the way, <laughs> man, there's something about Christine Baranski. She's very mature and sexy. So there's something about yes. her. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that in particular that performance, but obviously she's meant to be that you know the hot button item, the hot who, but. Uh, there's something about her that's kind of sexy anyway. Agreed. No. Agreed. Don't know what it is. She just has that thing. She does. Yeah, she does. A um, couple more quick ones here. Robert Patrick or Michael Wincott? Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect <laughs> Michael Wincott to come up. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I love Robert Patrick. Um, this one is, this one's really tough. This one might be, yeah, this one might be the hardest one yet, man. In some ways, man, I don't know. I, I, I love Michael Wincott though. I love, I don't think he works enough. Uh, I wish he popped up in more stuff. Got a great voice. Great presence. Was really happy to see him in Nope. Big time. Yeah, he was really great in that. And the way he talks and everything. <laughs> uh, he's great. Um, I'm going to go Wincott, even though it's it's a slim Wincott margin on this one. That's a tough one. I love Michael Wincott. He's a Toronto guy. I feel blasphemous to say this, but I'll tell you what. Anytime I see Robert Patrick, re- I mean, he is an all-time scenery chewer when you give him the rope to run with it it's ironic to me that he got his fame as this silent robot like that's where he really came to fame but he'd been doing it for a long time and if you see him in like copland you see him in the faculty um you see him he did oh what was that one he did is it hong kong 97 or something he's chewed some good scenery in his day and uh yeah, Copland is great. He's great in Copland. He's great. He's got a great mustache in Copland too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great because it's 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 kind of overly large. It, it's almost like that Road to Revenge guy's mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like bigger than his lips. You know what I mean? Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it's almost like like a fuller version of the um, Christopher Walken one in. Um, <laughs> I can't remember anything tonight. Um, you know, if you if you made this this that or the other, and you threw Wings Hauser in there, it would be a little too unfair because of our love of Wings. But they, yeah, Wings would yeah, Wings. They but they they all kind of remind me of each other in a way. Yeah, yeah. No, it's right. It's right for sure. But yeah, that's a good one. That I figured that one was tough. Um, two Sammy favorites: Cruel Jaws or White Buffalo. Now I love some Cruel Jaws. <laughs> But you're never going to get me to vote against Charles Bronson and a giant buffalo. No, this is true. That's a hell of a film, man. 
Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's the Jaws film. That's one of my favorite Jaws derivatives. As a matter of fact, I didn't bring that up when I talked to Steve. We didn't talk about White Buffalo, and he didn't bring it up in his documentary. I'm kind of stunned we didn't talk about that one. Tim, well, buddy, if I had it been on, we would have talked about it. Yeah, because we talked about a lot of stuff, but we didn't talk about White Buffalo, which is honestly one of my favorite Jaws alternative films. I, I know it is. You've said that to me many times. Mm-hmm. We've covered on the show. We probably said it in the review. Yeah, I still love White Buffalo. I could watch it right now. People, listen, if you haven't seen White Buffalo, watch White Buffalo, and then go watch Cruel Jaws on the weekend if you haven't seen it. If, even if you have seen it, go watch it again. But White Buffalo is amazing. Yeah. Okay. One final one, and then we'll cap it here. Class of 1999, and this may not be fair because you haven't seen it in a while. Class of 1999 or The Faculty? Uh, well, I haven't seen the faculty enough to rate it, but I love class of 1999. Me too. We watched that. I watched that a couple times with several groups of people that listen to this show and have their own podcast. And that one just gets more fun as time goes on. Always. It always, it, it, it just, it, that one ages really well. I, I'm not saying the faculty doesn't, but class of 1999 really ages well. I think you're right. As much as I love 99, uh, it's gonna be faculty. Might go ninety nine on that one. It feels yeah. more more GGTMC. It does. It's such a bonkers movie. <laughs> it is nuts, man. Um, that's it. All right. Sounds good. All right. So we're gonna take a short break. We hope you enjoyed a little of this, that, and maybe some others. And we're gonna come back and talk about Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke from nineteen seventy eight. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Up in smoke That's where my money goes In my lungs And sometimes up my nose When troubled times Begin to bother me I take a toke and all my cares go up in smoke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There we go. That couldn't be a much more, a more Cheech and Chong song. I guess maybe outside of Earache My Eye, which is in this film, but that's the one that I always remember growing up singing, uh, listening to because it was so taboo. I wasn't supposed to be listening to guys. talk about stuff going up their nose and uh smoking pot but uh yeah my dad had these records so uh up in smoke 1978 again i picked this one to kind of just do something a little different we like to mix it up every now and then we did it a couple weeks ago with ai and uh here we are with something else uh two stoners unknowingly smuggle a van made entirely of marijuana from mexico to la with incompetent Sergeant Stadeco on their trail. Uh, that's a basic plot synopsis. This movie's kind of a... Um, <laughs> it's kind of a hodgepodge of uh, bits and pieces from the albums and kind of a bare-bones kind of road movie in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I like the tagline to this movie, don't go straight to see this movie, as, as if you know you got you to get lit up before you go see this film. 
It's got a cast. Cheech Marin, Tommy Chong. You know them as Cheech and Chong, Pedro and the man. Struther Martin in here. Uh, Edie Adams. You get uh, Stacy Keach, who we talked about. Ray Vitti, who, uh, you know, he plays the bass in this, but Ray Vitti's popped up in a few things over the years. Um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody else. I tell you what, Tom Skerritt, uh, which I kind of talked about, a totally different type of performance from Tom Skerritt in this film compared to Fighting Back. Uh, he's a lot of fun in a, a small role. I tell you who's in here that if you blink, you'll miss her, but you got to look very close. Uh, two people. Uh, well, evidently one of them's scenes got deleted, but I, somebody's told me that you can still see him in there. Somebody's told me you can see Harry Dean standing in there and that you can see um, Ellen Barkin. Now, I did see Ellen Barkin this time down in the in the in the Roxy kind of room where everybody was kind of hanging out I saw Ellen Barkin in there very distinct face as we know so I did see her this time but uh, I still have not ever seen uh, Harry Dean Stanton in the film so I don't know if you saw Ellen or not but she's in there you might be turned down because <laughs> you've been very quiet <laughs> I was just I was yeah I was like I love Ellen Barkin yeah I didn't see her though Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's right down there. It's one of the scenes where there ever, there's a bunch of people in the backstage area and she's, she's back there. Um, it's a blink and you miss it, uh, kind of moment though. Um, Bye. yeah, this film was a stable, uh, a stable cable, a cable staple, not a stable cable and, uh, or however you want to, however you want to put it. And, uh, a big part of my development growing up, I don't know what that says about my parents, but honestly, it's so funny going back and watching this stuff that felt so pornographic and so taboo. And in some ways it, it still got a little bit of that, but for the most part, it's kind of innocent and goofy in a weird way now. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of eye opening watching it this time. <laughs> like how kind of, you know, it's rated R, but it, 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 I don't know. Uh, is it rated R mostly for the drug use, I guess? I guess, because I was thinking about that this time watching it, where even a few scenes, like there's a few sexually suggestive jokes, but even the nudity that we could see on screen, we don't see. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of suggested nudity. It's very strange. Yeah. And it felt very weird to watch it this time. Like I remember it being a much more lewd movie. Um, and there's a lot of sex jokes in here, but nothing, uh, no, nothing overt. So no. I was kind of surprised by that, but I hadn't seen this in 20 plus years, maybe 30 years. Um, probably that much, if not more, Will, you probably were around the same. Um, I've seen obviously all of their films. What did you think about this, this, uh, Cheech and Chong, uh, revisit? So just to piggyback on what you said, this was one that was in heavy rotation for me. Probably saw it too young. <laughs> I did a lot, about 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my parents oh, took me to the movies to see this with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> several times because it came out in 78 and then it played for a long time and it would come back out. And I saw it several times in a movie theater before cable TV. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was a staple, I think, of our generation, right? So, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I know the film pretty intimately in some ways, like certain beats in the film, 
uh, lines, you know, just the rhythm of the film. I felt like I, I'd known so well and for so long. And it was very interesting because I hadn't seen it in over 20 years. And I don't know if I would have watched it again in my life had yeah. we not watched the show. It's true. It's true. I've, I've seen it so much. That I just don't know. I don't know if I would have went back to it. I mean, maybe I would have as I've gotten older and stuff just to kind of relive it. But I don't know that I would have, to be honest with you. No, but I'm grateful that mm. we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? I mean, one of the great things about doing the show is kind of going back and talking about this stuff. Because uh, I'm curious sometimes if some of these things I would go back and watch. But uh, I'm glad I did. I'm, re I'm really glad I did as well. Oh, big time, man. Big time. And you know what's interesting here? Lou Adler, who of course had a career in music, kind of bats two for two with his two films, right? He does Lady and Gen Ladies and Gentlemen of the Fabulous Stains, which is kind of a fun film mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in its own right. Takes a look at a scene if it's a bit turned up, of course, for you know for the screen. But Diane Lane uh, with the debut. And then this one... Um, as well as all the musical work he's he's been involved with producing and so forth. But um, I think that he does a really good job, and it feels to me like he did a really good job collaborating with um, Xi Chen Chong and having kind of the framework for a road movie that would incorporate a lot of their humor and their signature stuff, some of their music from their albums. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And just gives it a real easy breezy feel, and it was a really, um, a really. I watched this on a Sunday. <laughs> perfect, right. perfect day to watch it. Yes, perfect day to watch it. Like I, I'd start. I was going to cram it. I'd started it Saturday, and we pivoted recording wise, and so I was like, I'm just going to watch this on a Sunday, and this feels like a very much like a Sunday jam, and it just. Yeah, just that vibe, man. It's it's got that great uh, Can Am connection. Yeah, with, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um And yeah, it just it looks great in high def. We should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I was surprised by that. It looks really nice. Uh, the film opens up with a scene where we see at Cheech's house, Mary Melodies are playing like the cartoon. Yeah. And I think that energy that you see, I don't know if that's a little Easter egg, but it feels to me like a bit of a statement of intent, like we're going to get kind of some wacky stuff and some hijinks. Um, and we're going to kind of have this energy that's just going to kind of perpetuate us through this film. Mm -hmm. And while there are some things that haven't aged well, yes, a few Things like, <laughs> you know, a, a news anchor's name and yeah, uh, was it uh, Toyota Kawasaki? Toyota Kawasaki, yes, <laughs> um, yes. which was pretty prevalent in the eighties. That sort of kind of yeah, yeah, Japanese weird, people were still making fun of the Japanese cars at that point. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rice burners is what they were known as. Yeah, yeah. So it was very different, uh, different time. But um, when you look past that stuff. I think what you get, like you said, is a film that is nowhere near as, as sleazy or, or crass or vulgar as as you would remember it, right? Like, there's sex jokes and there's drug use and stuff, but it just um, it's <laughs> it's just this breezy Sunday thing, man. Yeah, well, I think you know, I, I look back on it, and obviously, Cheech and Chong have. 
they have their moments of crassness sure. and and you i think i guess they did five films i guess up in smoke still smoking cheech and chong's next movie nice dreams and the corsican brothers yeah and then things are tough all over so maybe six films yeah yeah um i think in things are tough all over they play arab limo drivers which is really probably not aged well at all I saw that and was like, yeah, that's going to be problematic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, this was the time. This is the era they came up. And uh, everybody's fair game. And in fairness to them, they they, made, they make fun of everybody equally. They don't, uh, I don't think they hold back on anybody. So uh, there's that side of the, the coin. But those films, some of those films, I know the next movie and maybe Nice Dreams and stuff, some of those films are definitely more sexual in nature. Um, this one is what well, I was just really surprised at how, uh, again, uh, except for the excessive drug use and there's a lot of drug use in the film. Um, it's, it's just not that, uh, heavy of a movie when it comes to adult themes, it has a lot of great bits. It has the, the great scene of the meat cute. That's that's a great moment. Uh, if you get past the uncomfortable moment where he's hitting on jailbait, which he even mentions that he's hitting on jailbait, but it has uh, you know it's got a great opening credit sequence where they do the credits on the lowrider uh, while playing lowrider, and uh, I like that. I like the, those moments. Cheech is really great in those moments where he's kind of doing that little dance outside of his car. Oh yeah, and you know he pulls up, and then he sees Tommy Chong, who's clearly not a woman, even from a million miles away. But he sees the breast or the fake breast, and uh, he, he you know peels out and does a U turn. Which that joke comes back around when they kind of like, come on, man, we got to go score some some dope or something, and they just literally do a U turn on their street to go to another house. There's these little jokes like that. They're so stupid and. The jokes really land because these guys are so like oblivious to the real world. I think that's, yeah, exactly. I think that's what makes them unique is that I think the reason why stuff like this works, uh, you know, even though dumb and dumber is not a favorite of mine, I know people love it a lot. I think the reason why that works is because those characters are living in a world that isn't the real world. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And it's funny watching this, how indebted Dumb and Dumber feels to this film. Oh, how indebted, how indebted so many of them uh, feel to the Cheech and Chong stuff. As, so a matter, as a matter of fact, I was watching the commentary for this, and Cheech brought up that uh, Tarantino had told him that a lot of the car stuff he stole for Pulp Fiction, he stole the same shots and angles really? from Up in Smoke. And now when I go back and look at Up in Smoke, I can totally see it. <laughs> that's funny yeah he shot some of the same angles and everything he did that he just wanted now obviously he didn't steal the conversation but he said what uh you know what he liked to that what tarantino liked about cheech and chong is that they you know they're going somewhere they're talking about something that is totally nothing to do with the movie but they still got to get to the point to move the plot forward so if you think about tarantino's films he does that a lot right he puts people in cars they have conversations that have nothing to do with the movie even going back to reservoir dogs and that just gets from point A to point B so he can get to point C. Uh, that's just something that, you know, it was a, just a huge deal at the time. And the movie feels kind of gonzo in a weird way because of that. It feels kind of weird at times, doesn't it? It just feels kind of like it's, it exists in its own world. It does. Uh, 
and yet in some ways it feels like this snapshot of a very specific moment in time in Southern California that I don't know. It, it's weird. It is, doesn't have it in its own universe. It doesn't, it, it feels like it's just living and it, it's not conscious of trying to be anything. I don't know if I'm articulating that well, like it, it's inhabiting a world, but it never feels conscious of that or that it's putting it out there to try to perpetuate that world uh, in a very heavy handed or obvious way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not solving rocket science here. Uh, no, nor are they really being overt about, I don't know. Maybe just, plastic, um, plastic, uh, fiber, marijuana problems. That's probably about all they're solving here. That's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Their, their costume, the costume, say costumes, their outfits are so <laughs> iconic. And it's, there's something that's just so iconic. To me, one of the big things too is the Latino culture, right? Like, the yeah. Mexican American culture yeah. that you see with Cheech and how much it informs his character, uh, mm-hmm. the way he dresses, his vehicle, the music, the way he walks, everything. The way he walks, everything. And yeah. it's the, you know, lo- we got war playing in the film with Lowrider, mm-hmm. the chain steering wheel, the tassels. I'll tell you, when we see him and Chong pull up, um, together and she just wearing like the red toque and like the yellow shirt and the suspenders and stuff. Uh, I said to my wife, I'm like, Oh my God, we have to go as Cheech and Chong for Halloween. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really trying to work the long game here and get her to, I said, you can even be Cheech if you want. I'll be Chong. And she goes, well, yeah, I am shorter. So I'll be Cheech. I said, okay, but you got to put the mustache on. You got to put the mustache on. I guess she got it. I don't know if she wants to rock the half shirt though. That's a, that she half, that half shirt suspender combo. That's, that's unique to Cheech. I love that. That's amazing. But, it, but it there's is. this sort of inadvertent kind of like fashion plate thing that they got going on. Well, like, I mean, Tommy Chong is doing the double denim thing. He's doing the Canadian thing. I mean, oh, he's, he sure is. He's wearing the jeans and he's wearing a blue jean shirt through most of the movie. Except he wears the headband has always been iconic with Tommy Chong's character. Absolutely, the bandana or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they're great. And you know, the other great thing about Cheech too that I realized, you know, he's got that hair lip scar. Him and Stacy Keach both have a hair lip scar. Oh man, I didn't realize that. And that's the reason I used to think that his mustache was divided like that as a joke to do cocaine. <laughs> because I thought that was a good joke, you know, a good visual joke. He he makes his part on, up, you know, the one nostril, so that way he has easy access. But come to find out, it's because he's like, like Stacy Keach. He has a he has a scar, so his mustache has a kind of an abnormal split in it. So Stacy Keach looks really good in this film, by the way, too. I mean, like he's like his mustache is like on point. He's really funny. He's got one of the best lines in the movie. She's like, we're Toyota Kawasaki's like, do you think any violence will break out there? And he goes, uh, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> That's, one of the That's best a good ones. line. You know, it's funny for years. I hated Stacy, Stacy Keach because of this film. Oh yeah. No, no, no. His oh, character in the Cheech and Chong. Films, he's, he's a prick. He's so he mean. Just, he's so mean to his, uh, his cop. Mean, he's uptight. He's a prick. He's trying, he's a wet blanket. Yes. For years. <laughs> I hated Stacy Keach until, you know, I started watching like Fat City and the Ninth Configuration and the Dion Brothers and all this stuff. Um, because, yeah, it just was baked into me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. But it's funny because really, and you touched on this and we touched about it on the off the air as well. Cheech and Chong have 
arguably like among the, the best sort of duos with easy chemistry that I can think of in a film. Yeah. And when you talked about kind of the Tarantino thing of just talking, a lot of the stuff they do, even if it seems kind of goofy or at this point, 50 or 40 years on seems kind of dated. Um, there's still a certain charm about it. Mm. It feels, it genuinely feels like you're peering in on two friends kind of goofing and just living and getting through the day together. Right. Right. You know, there it's like what? the joint thing with the toothpick and he's like, I hope your dick's bigger than this. And yeah, yeah. he reaches into his feather pocket and he's like, Oh no, that's, that's my dick. And then yeah, he yeah. pulls out that little joint and he's like, man, I hope your dick's bigger than this. He's like, Hey man, you want to walk? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I still chuckled at all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really good. I, here's the thing about Cheech and Chong that I've always found fascinating. They, can pull so they can pull off sex jokes drug jokes and adult jokes with some kind of weird charm that feels safe it never feels like it's dangerous it never feels like they're actually willing to rape a woman or willing to get so fucked up that they'll run over somebody by accident no the humor is innocent now i do know (laughs) another good joke at the border Outside of the nuns, which is pretty funny, which is the, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, not to spoil it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't. I won't tell the uh, the priest joke that Stacy Keach tells, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a bad joke, but it's a funny joke. Uh, but that I have to talk. I have to bring up the fact that cut to the German Shepherd laying on its back with all four legs in the air, and Stacy Keach saying, "Must be some really strong shit." Is <laughs> <laughs> is one of the funniest things to me. I laugh every single time because he takes it so seriously. And then later on, he's mentioning some guy pisses on my leg. I can't get through the thing. I lost my cop. I lost my canine cop. One of the best cops I've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> good. Each is good in the film. Yeah. Yeah, he is. The, the operation lard ass joke where he, you know, Oh man, I laughed at that. <laughs> the hard hat. And then when he gets back on the radio later, cause he's got everybody in the backseat cause they're all punished. And he gets on the radio and he first says, headquarters, this is Lart. I mean, Operation Hard Hat, Hard Hat. But what's great is at first he goes Hard Head. And <laughs> yeah. Keach gets so mad that he calls him Hard Head. And then it becomes Lard Ass. It gets even worse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's yeah. uh, It just has little moments like that. It's funny going back and watching it. It's not as broad comically as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Going back and watching it after 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. It is in a way, but actually they're telling a pretty straightforward story. The story doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're all over the place. They're in California, then they're in Tijuana, then they're back in California at the Roxy. They're playing music. There's no rehearsals or anything. They write a song in five minutes. Uh, you know, it feels very like it. You know, stoner audience or anyone could just kind of. Well, I think you said the word organic. It's very organic. It feels very organic. And you know, everybody just kind of fits, and the jokes. The thing about the jokes that makes them great is they're little. They're not really big jokes. I mean, there is the big dog shit joint. That is a big joke. Labrador. Yeah. Yep. It's mostly Maui Wowie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got a little bit of Labrador in it. <laughs> Labrador. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. We're smoking dog shit, man. Yeah, that's what he was going to say, man. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great moment. And uh, the, the other moment that he took, he just took the most acid I've ever seen. Like, oh, shit, I'm going to die, man. I'm going to die. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Nah, that stuff is all great. His name is Ralph, man. But 
but all, but all those the little jokes, the joke with the vodka in the courtroom, the uh, the little joke where she's trying to get Chong into the Roxy on the sidewalk, he falls into the crowd, so she picks up the next vag- vagrant that's on the ground, thinking it's Chong, and just keeps going like it's nothing happened. It's, so I got it. Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. It's fine. No, 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 no. You go ahead. No, I'm just saying these, these these jokes. They're all so small, but they all they work for me because they never feel they're very broad, but they never feel like they're trying really hard to make you laugh. They just kind of well, feel like this is who Cheech and Chong is. They think right. it's funny. So or, if they think it's funny, we should think it's funny. Well, that's it. And none of it ever feels like this is the crown jewel. This is the centerpiece joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is what you've been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> because you're just you're living with them through this. Yeah. yeah. Like, just a few days in the life. Yeah. So many funny yeah. moments. There's a Patty's up, up ahead. There's no Patty's, man. There's Chicanos up there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good lines. You mentioned Scarrett. Scarrett's great in it. It shows his range. As much as it's a goofy role, it's really funny. Um yeah, I mean, this is right around. I mean, this is only four years before Fighting Back, which we did a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, it's right exactly. around the same time as a, as Alien, I guess. So, now I gotta mention this. I'd mention this to you within a few minutes of you saying we were covering it. Every, you know, siblings and dear friends, but I feel like more so with siblings, you all have these inside jokes, these little things you share that are just between you and your brother, you and your sister, mm-hmm. that no one else ever gets, but there are these little shared moments with you guys. So when I first watched this with my brother, we were about 12, and to this day, and I cracked this joke to you earlier, really, to this day, uh, when the girl snorts, she snorts a line of Ajax thinking it's Coke. <laughs> yeah. To <Yes>. this day, <laughs> I up to my brother, and I go, <laughs> Or vice versa. And it's just this thing, man, because of this film. And I was waiting for it, and it, oh, it gets time, man. That that joke is great. That joke's great. Chong's like, wow. <laughs> he didn't even know what to say. He's so perplexed by it. Later on, she rubs a little on her teeth and does another one of those, you know, does a little one at Stacey Keach. It's Ajax. <laughs> it's Ajax, yeah. Which, if you remember, I, you know, we're old enough. Maybe some folks don't remember Ajax. But that stuff was everywhere. I mean, people used it to clean all kinds of stuff. And I often wonder how much of that in stuff I inhale that stuff I inhaled growing up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like powdered bleach, right? It's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was potent. I remember that. You know, oh, yeah. the the other thing about watching this movie, rewatching it that I found kind of interesting is I never really noticed how much Cheech and Chong kind of influenced me musically. Like they they did rock. You heard the song I played right before we came back in. Uh, up in smoke it's very much a country kind of ballad type song and they did rock they did a little bit of kind of rapish type of stuff uh obviously a lot of warish you know eastern la kind of funky stuff they were very influential musically they they were very Chicano to santana yeah man they were very uh they were very interesting that way um mm-hmm. and introduced me to a lot of different forms of music cuz i was you know, five or six years old at this point, and I thought I had it figured out, as any five or six-year-old does. And uh, then I'd hear some of this music, this kind of funky, driving type of music that, you know, war was mostly popular for. I didn't know what this shit was, man. It was totally new sound to me. That kind of East L.A. kind of jam, you know, war and uh, and some of this Cheech and Chong stuff. And then, of course, like I said, that Up in Smoke ballad, 
I would listen to because I wasn't supposed to listen to it. It's basically a comedy record, but it's a it's a good song. To be honest, it's it's a well done song. There's a couple good songs in there. Chichonga, they do the the rock fight song, uh, which is just a standard kind of rock song, but it's it's pretty good. And then of it course, is. earache my eye, which is a, was is a huge one that a lot of rock bands to this day cover. Yep, that's a big one, and uh, always will be a big one. And again, little joke during that set. I mean, if you notice, Tommy Chong's got the most biggest drumsticks you've ever seen before in your life. Oh man, they're huge. They definitely are. I always forget how kind of muscular Tommy Chong was. He was a pretty big dude, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was, man. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton more notes. I mean, this is one that's hard to to sort of look at the critical stuff. I do think it's well shot. I do think um, musically it's smart. It's It does a lot of stuff. Culturally, uh, you know, it just – it seems very, like I said, organic, effortless – from the musical choices, it never feels incompetent despite being a film made by a guy who made no other films before this and starring two guys who were just comedian kind of with a stoner kind of shtick. Like it just, it feels like a very well-made, easy breezy film. It does. Is there any, is there, was there any bits this time around that really didn't land for you or do y'all, I mean, for the most part, I found most of the bits, I mean, maybe not as funny as each bit, but I didn't find any of them. I mean, I didn't find any of them groan-inducing. No, nothing. I've seen stuff that that kind of I would roll my eyes at, and it wasn't really anything in this. It's funny to see Harry Krishna's like there was a moment <laughs> in time, whether it was Dawn of the Dead, yeah, yes. You know, I think it was like seventy four. Was Dawn of the Dead seventy four or seventy seven or something? Uh, I think it's. I think it might have been the same year as this. Eighty two, not Dawn of the Dead. Dawn no, this is a this. Well, this is seventy eight. Oh my God! Is this seventy eight? This is seventy eight, dude. That's what, eighty two for some reason. Yeah, no, I, I thought so too. I thought when I, we picked it, I thought it's an early eighties film, but it's a seventy eight film. So wow! But Harry Krishnas were everywhere for a yeah. while. Donna Dead might be seventy six, but I think it's, it's either seventy six or seventy eight, somewhere in there. But you get there's yeah, just you see Harry Krishnas and everything. Um, how about this too? Like even you know we talked about Dumb and Dumber, but even The Wizard, the like Nintendo love letter film with oh, Fred yeah, Savage, yeah, yeah. yeah. That follows this formula. Yeah. I think, like you know, road movie. the road movie works because you can introduce characters along the way and just be kind of unique. Uh, and it, it can sometimes work to interesting comic effect. You and uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but you, you, you guys covered the straight story, which has that odd David Lynch humor. And it's a yes. road, it's a road movie, right? So it allows you to kind of introduce characters as you go. And make things interesting and can just kind of give you, if your characters are interesting, the road movie works. If your characters aren't interesting, your two leads or your one lead, it's never going to work. No. So the, the road movie hinges completely on the charisma of your stars. A hundred percent. And these two guys, they got it, right? There's, they, they have a very, dis- they're, they're two very distinct characters. I never feel like these two guys are acting. No. I feel like this is, I mean, for years, I thought this is who these guys are. They're just turned up a little bit. Yeah. Right. You know who they Uh, remind me of? Also, I got a very strong vibe of, and you may, when I say this, you'll probably get it. They feel very Hill and Spencer in some ways, too. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally get that. Yeah, because they'll undercrack the camera sometimes and do some silly shit. Any great duo. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, It's cool. And... You know, one thing that as much as we talked about how some of the stuff hasn't aged well, 
On the other hand, there are some sexually progressive things here. Yeah. Right? And even down to Cheech's costume, which is pretty amazing, which if my wife doesn't want to go <laughs> as Cheech and Chong, I'll go as Rock Fight Cheech maybe for Halloween. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. That'd be a good one. It's a pretty good. Uh, or, or even Rock Fight Tommy Chong wouldn't be bad. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right, man. I guess my only gripe with the film is Stacey Keach wastes a lot of pizza when he's high. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, man. Oh, man. You know what, though? I've I've been there, Stacy. I've been oh, there, man. Yeah. There's times when I've had a pizza in my face and I've Yeah. Not from being high though, mostly from being drunk, but I've I've made I've made an ass out of myself in front of a pizza before. He's that is one gripe, and the other gripe is Cheech man, don't put your mouth don't 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 cover the, the mic with your mouth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a tricky move there. I, you know, looking at it now, I think if I had one gripe about the movie, it's that did nobody figure out that this van was made of marijuana by the front of the van, which was clearly marijuana? I know. <laughs> Keystone cops, man. Yeah. But, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, the van is so ridiculously, like, East L.A. designed. And yeah, it's so, you know, all of it's very broad in that way. And it's designed and it's playing with stereotypes. But again, I don't think in any way, shape, or form, really, uh, not compared to some of their other material. Even next movie, I can remember being a lot more sexual than this one. Yeah. Uh, and they really, for the most part, are really playing it for laughs, pure laughs here, and clean jokes. Uh, yeah, there's cuss words and everything else and funny moments. But I mean, even the little bits, man, the, the guy walking up, the cop that gets high, out of the fumes and he walks up and he walks up and they're, you know, Chong's in his lap. Just that moment of frozen tension that they're like busted. <laughs> oh yeah. It makes me laugh every time. And then he's like, hey, man, you get off, you're smashing my balls, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just little moments like that. Just makes me laugh. And even the fake sex scene in the van, you know, and he's like, Oh, I go. He got a, he's got a cramp. That's a good, yeah. Good little bit. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it so many times now, but let's not take for granted. This was 40, you know, 40 plus ago. years ago, right? Yeah, it's crazy. 45 years ago? Is that all yeah. it is? Jesus 45 Christ. years. Jeez. My God. Oh, you know who I wish we had a scene more of? <laughs> What's that? Um, oh, goodness. The female cop Merits was her last name. Oh, Gloria? Gloria, yeah, like the female cop. So you want to see more of her, you got to see The Last American Virgin. Because she, play, uh, she plays a, a mamacita in that who, uh, well, has sex with teenage boys. It's uh, That has not aged well. But you see a lot of her in that movie. She's cute in this film. Like, I, I, I meant that as much as she is. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I get what you're saying. No, she, she has a cute sex potty charm in this. She has, she has some Margaret charm. Yeah, yeah. She has something, yes. She... Uh, She's real. I mean, obviously, you do see her naked in Last American Virgin, and again, that that is a darker, you know, as time's gone on, obviously, that's a darker look at things. But you know, at the time in the eighties, that that's just the kind of movies that were being made. You know, teenage boys losing their virginity to adult women. But she is a, a yeah, kind of a sex kitten, kind of charismatic and very beautiful lady. I agree. Yeah. She stands out even in this movie. Oh yeah, in a little bit part. Is that pretty much it? 
that's it, man. Yeah, man. I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I think you nailed everything. I think, you know, us talking about it and then watching it, this is the kind of film that I just smile the whole time I watch it. It's like I smile watching it and then I laugh and then I just go back to smiling. Like I never, it's short. It doesn't wear out. It's welcome. It doesn't really sag much. Um, there's a little bits and pieces and stuff, but if you listen to the movie really closely, there's a lot of jokes in between the jokes. Uh, you know, the burrito joke, you eat this shit, man. And, uh, you know, the dog eating the burrito and then him getting gas and, He's got to go to the bathroom and he sees that guy tied up and he's like, you must have had one of the burritos too, huh, man? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not even realizing that he's, you know, come across a crime essentially. And he's like, come on, ice cream. Uh, just, yeah. you know, these little moments of joking and stuff. And obviously Cheech is the louder, more boisterous of the two. Um, but because of Tommy's deadpan behavior, those two work perfectly. Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things i when it comes to these kind of films i think you got to have a deadpan and you got to have a guy that's over the top uh jeff daniels obviously and jim carrey you know which one's over the top there uh terrence hill and bud spencer you know which one's over the top there for the mm -hmm. most part uh, Bing, uh crosby and um uh, um uh, what's his name um uh, why am i blanking on his name bowie <laughs> not, no not crosby and bowie crosby and the hope Bob Hope. Jesus, can you believe yeah. I blanked on Bob Hope? Um, even then, Hope was always the over-the-top one, right? Oh, yeah. Or Martin and Lewis, right? I mean, Martin was the laid-back guy. Lewis was way over the top. I think you got to have that mix. Uh, Abbott and Costello, obviously. you got to have that mix to to dial the craziness back. you got to have the guy that the audience can relate to. like you know. And I think honestly as weird as it is to say tommy chong is the one the audience can kind of relate to he's kind of just like getting by man you know no i know and when i was a kid man and it was great seeing him in color of space that film but it, when i was a kid i just thought that's the way tommy chong always is but you know yeah. he's not really that way i mean he's really a pretty smart guy and uh he's done a lot of good things uh for the movie industry and for marijuana culture and and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I teach their own. I, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to go out and smoke pot or you have to go out and, and watch Cheech and Chong movies. But I mean, there's a lot of positivity in Cheech and Chong. And, uh, I'm kind of surprised by that in this revisit, how positive this film was really kind of heartwarming and kind of made me feel good after it went off. I feel the same way completely. And it sounds weird to say that about, uh, a kind of sex joke stoner comedy, but yeah. it it does feel that way. It's very strange. It was the the I came away from it I'm like, man, that was just a really nice movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, fighting back was so brutal in a way, and uh, the laughing woman was so brutal in a way. I was like, well, I just want to do a comedy, but not only did I pick a comedy, but I picked such a nice, easygoing comedy. Yeah, there's going to be somebody out there that's probably going to say. Sammy will. This movie's got dark tendencies. You might be right. But compared to most of the comedies I see, I don't ever feel like Cheech and Chong are being overly mean to anybody here. Mm -mm, not at all. Other than the authorities, which is something that people can relate to. And even mm -hmm. then, I don't think they do anything really bad to the authorities. They don't try to kill them or anything. They just piss on their leg, piss on Stacey Keach's leg a little bit. That's right. That's as, that's as bad as it gets, so... Yeah, and if that's the worst you're doing, then you're all right. Yeah, that was a fun. It was a fun rewatch. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we do. I'm glad we mix it up every now and then. That always feels good to do that. Good on you. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, that is the big show this week. Will's going to be away next week, next couple weeks, so I'm not going to give away what he's picking yet because I don't know what we're doing the next couple weeks on this show. So we'll just save that, Will, if you don't mind. And I don't know what I'm That's picking. Different. And we'll just save that for when you come back, and uh, we'll tackle that then. Um, so, again, uh, I look forward to seeing lots of photos, and I hope you guys have a great trip, you and the family. Uh, Going to be a while before I do any trips like that again, uh, just because of my current personal situation. But um, look forward to maybe doing it someday, maybe even doing it with you and the boys. Uh, and not just your boys. I'm talking about all the boys. Uh, you know, a, a group. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to do a group travel with Dude. a bunch of our friends. You know, because I think yes. we'd have the time of our lives. I really do. Oh, man, <laughs> the stories we would tell. Oh yeah, <laughs> and the stories we would not tell. Precisely. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> we may be older, but uh, you get us in a group of like-minded folks. We're still we're still a bunch of guys who like to have fun. Yes, and oh, man. (laughs) So anyway, uh, that reminds me. Remind me to tell you something when I get off the air. Um, uh, It's a personal thing, but I I don't want to share it with the whole wide world here. Um, To make sure to check out all of our other friends, uh, Mary Clickers, uh, Not a Bomb, Watch Skip Plus, Feminine Critique, uh, Raiders of the Podcast. God, am I forgetting anybody? See here. Uh, See here. So many. Love that album. album. There's so many. But Night of Living Podcast. There's one I sometimes forget. I don't don't, don't know how I can forget those guys, but I sometimes do. Um, Just check them out. They're all great, and uh, we think you'd love them all. Uh, That's about all I got. Again, don't know what we're covering next week or not. Uh, We'll get back to you guys on that. It'll probably be a surprise. With that, I will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 